Welcome to the Southern Alchemy Wellness Podcast. Southern Alchemy Wellness is a holistic wellness space and retail store devoted to the support of healthy living in the physical and virtual community. Our physical space is located at 4819 East Bush Boulevard, suite number 104. We hope that you'll come in and see us here. However, this evening, we are interviewing through Zoom because our fabulous guest this evening is residing in beautiful Colorado and not in the studio. I'm your host, Tracy Person. And I am Darren Person, your co-host. And this is the special Halloween edition to the Alchemy of Wellness podcast. Yes, Darren, it's nearly Halloween, one more day. And in honor of the energies of what they have called All Hallows' Eve, we have as our guest and new friend, Amanda Rose Clinar. Amanda is a clinical herbalist, earth-based shamanic practitioner, and plant intuitive. Her earth-based practices often are experienced by working with sacred plants and animals. With guidance from the Divine Mother, as well as the ancestors, to seek truth, love, and healing for herself and her community. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda Rose. That was a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. Um, my last name is Klenner, um, but it's a weird German last name, so no worries there. Um, yeah, I'm an herbalist in Colorado. It's funny hearing myself spoken about. Most people are amazed by hearing how they sound speaking and not so much being spoken about. Well, I feel like it's, and, um, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm all of these things. And, and um, that's something I've really gotten used to over this last few years. And so it's still really like, okay, yeah, that is me. Like, yeah. Um, it, I think it, it's, the longer your resume gets, the more you, it's like, is that really me? Um, and yes, all of it, right? All of the developments. So I want to start out by talking about October. Um, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Black Magic 363, this morning, and numerologist King Simon talked about October as a really spiritually heavy month. And I don't mean heavy in terms of dark, but in some really special ways. Most of the time we think about... um, the year beginning in January, but really the calendar has been changed so many times. Um, And the Gregorian calendar comes out of the Catholic church, but initially March began the year. It's the time when things all wake up and begin to grow. And so Octo meaning eight is the beginning of October. And according to King Simon, he talked about the eighth month as representing the infinity symbol And so we have really wonderful concepts like as above, so below. We're thinking about balance at this time. We're thinking about discipline because, you know, we're reaping what we've worked to sow. And it's also this balance between the masculine and feminine energies. Um, Speaking about Halloween at this time, uh, the History Channel talked about the ways in which Halloween evolved from the ancient Celtic holiday of Samhain. And over the centuries, Halloween has transitioned from a pagan ritual holiday to a day of parties, costumes, jack-o'-lanterns, and trick-or-treating for kids and adults. And for other groups of people, 
The time is still a holy day filled with reverence and it's a time when the veil is thin. So I wanna say for this conversation, we're gonna original name of Stalin and Amanda, what is your interest? And what is your definition of Stalin? Yeah. You know, as a kid, I grew up Catholic and I was in a really Hispanic um, neighborhood. So we celebrated a lot of Dia de los Muertos, which we're going to come and revisit. I'll probably tap on it a couple of times because my relationship to Samhain started about eight years ago. I think this is a, a journey some herbalists take, right? And I, I bet I bet I could guess yours is different. <laughs> I herbalism from the medical field, having trained in the medical field and been failed by the medical field. And so I came into it really heady and like, oh, well, I'm going to do blah, 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 you know, science. And I'm all about mm-hmm. the science. And something that you learn when you start getting into herbalism and herbs and working with these plants so intimately is you start hearing them and you start mm. hearing, feel them, or there's some way in which they start speaking to you or transmitting knowledge to you because you're building this just relationship over time and this relationship kept building and building and building and so i started getting more into the shamanic practices and working doing journeying and working with plant spirit medicine and you know it was nine years ago i did a retreat with um a shaman herbalist who i know and love called darcy blue in Arizona. And we really started doing, we're doing a lot of ancestor work over Samhain. And one of the journeys, one of the many, many journeys we went on was to tap into our ancestors and our ancestry. And I knew I had Celtic ancestry, but when you deep dive into that, it just goes because (laughs) the Celtic culture is from like 1500 BC Mm. all the way until you know the catholics basically wiped it out in Mm -hmm. like 1500s is about the end of that traditional like unstopped lineage in some of the places like wales and scotland Mm -hmm. and um certain parts of like the british isles so um that's my nerdy part how did i get into Samhain? yeah (laughs) right i'm on this journey and I'm sitting here and we're meeting our ancestors and I meet an ancestor named um, Fiona and she is Irish and she is a healer, not a healer in the way that I was as a, you know, a clinical herbalist with medical background, right? She didn't just give you medicines for your body. She helped you with your soul, your spirit, those things that you were working mm. on those on she did ceremonies she did rituals and she really worked on her community with her community and she was she was the medicine woman but it wasn't this plant for that ailment it was body mind and soul medicine Mm. not for individuals either for the whole community she was ceremonialist and so I started digging deep into that Celtic tradition um and the reason why I mentioned that big long range of Celtic history is it's, you know, it ranges anywhere from what is now, you know, Austria, Hungary, Germany, through France, through Spain, and then it went to your British Isles and all that. Mm -hmm. And 
is my ancestry. I'm a European mutt, just all up in there, <laughs> <laughs> all up in there. And so it really hit that like I have. And so through more journeying and more spirit work and more ancestor work, I can follow this healing lineage back. And so I've been really working on celebrating these um, high holy days and the cross quarter holidays and really trying to tune in to this Celtic ancestry I have. And so I guess in a nutshell, that's how I got into, <laughs> that's how I got into Samhain, that ancestor time, that deep, dark journey. And so this time of year, um, really, you can kind of feel it in the, you can feel it in me waters, right? Yeah. <laughs> feel it changing when the when the veils start to thin. And so I really love doing this work at this time. I don't know, um, do you do a lot of ancestor work around this time as well? I actually do. That resonates um, very deeply for me. Um, ancestor work is something that I do all year long, but um, I've really been lately getting into the feeding of my ancestors. I've never liked cemeteries, but um, I'm definitely going to on the All Souls Day, be there with that plate of things that they love. And I too come from a, a heady place as an academic. So I, I think that this really brings me full circle. And um, you really kind of answered also about your pagan journey, unless you want to say more, we can throw it to Darren to ask uh, some things he's been thinking about. Yeah, one of the things I want to talk about is that I'm, I'm fairly new to um working with ancestors. But to me, growing up this time of year, especially growing up in Kansas City, there was always a certain type of electricity in the atmosphere. And I could never explain it. Uh, I was drawn to, <laughs> really enough, as a kid, I was drawn to cemeteries. Uh, there was a cemetery that was right next door to our public library. It was a, a Huron, a Native American cemetery. It was small, but it was very uh, quaint, very closed off. And I remember just walking through the paths around it and it was just kind of drawn to that energy. Uh, the, the change of the seasons. Recently on our way to Colorado, we were passing through Kansas City. And one thing I noticed that was amazing is the sky was like how it, I remember it as a kid. The sky will always look the same around October and close to, you know, Halloween sound. So there was I was always drawn to it and I couldn't understand why. And now because I'm starting to study it a little bit more and it's starting to resonate with me a little bit more. And just through the knowledge of the journey that we've been doing now, it's starting to make sense to me that that are drawn to this type of energy. Amanda, a question I want to ask you, what misconceptions do you feel people have about Halloween Samhain and what do you want people to know and understand about paganism? Yeah, that's, I think, two really great questions. I um, recently, one of my friends who lives in Idaho um, was really concerned because every year a lot of cities have these like witch parades or witch walks or witches on paddle boards or whatever. <laughs> and a lot of these women are just people like me who are like, yeah, like I get to like, this is the one time of year it feels safe to dress up like a witch because <laughs> y'all yeah. think I'm wearing a costume right now. <laughs> <laughs> this friend posted this thing that the church, the Catholic church in their area had posted saying, you know, 
these witches are evil beings praising demons. Um, you know, they're going to hurt the children and they're a bad moral influence. And well, that hurts my feelings because I'm a pretty awesome person and I'm generally pretty nice to people until they break me. And um, once you've broken me, then I don't have to be nice anymore. <laughs> you know, that bad. part. Yeah, exactly. And so it really is hurtful to feel this fear and panic still because, you know, being raised Catholic, one of the things in the catechism, um, it's like a separate book from the Bible that they follow. It's like the Catholic rules. It's awful. <laughs> Don't oh, read yeah. Do not recommend um, or read it for education purposes. But they really do believe that um, there aren't any other gods, but they are and we can't worship them. And, and like these things are evil and they're demonic influences. But let's be honest, the Catholic Church didn't even pick up demon theology until the 600s. Like where are wow. you getting this bullshit? And sorry, am I allowed to cuss on this? Where are sure. you getting Ahead. Feel free. <laughs> yeah sure you can tell how i feel about this um mm -hmm. but most of the pagan practitioners earth-based practitioners which is whatever you want to call yourself are really amazing human and we are here to bring love and to bring light and to bring understanding and part of what I feel is my purpose is to help reconnect people to the rhythms of this beautiful earth that we live on and to live in a way that is in service. Some people want to live in a way that is in service to other. My life path, you know, is living in service to the earth. Yeah. Um, and there are very few people who I can say, you know, are doing things in a way that they're working with those really demonic, um, evil, you know, spirits. And those are a thing, right? And there are people yeah. who work with them and that's their thing. Okay. And the people who work with those energies typically are working them in a very specific way for very specific purposes mm -hmm. and aren't just being, I don't know, evil. That's air quotes. They're <laughs> yeah. able to be that way. Um, and so I think most of us on this path are just here to help. You know, we're here to serve. Yeah. We're here to teach and reconnect. What do you, I mean, I know you do that so much as well, Tracy. Um, so I feel like that's something that really um, bothers me about how Halloween is portrayed today. I think as, um, you know, that's scary that <laughs> people are still out there saying witch hunts and stuff, just as much as it's scary, a lot of the things that are yeah. still happening that is ridiculous, because we're all in this human life together, right? Mm -hmm. We all incarnated at the same time. Let's try to get along. Right. Because I think it's yeah. interesting to mention that the, the process of practicing, you know, magic, working with magic or moving energy. There is no evil and there's no good. It's just based on the intent behind it. Whatever the intent behind is, what gives it that label of evil? What gives it that label of good? But one thing I want to talk about next is how the name has been shifted 
from Soundwind to Halloween because the reason why I want to bring this up, I overheard some people a few years back and they were talking about, you know, Halloween, getting ready for a Halloween celebration. And someone said, well, we don't want Halloween because it means it's the devil's birthday. And I'm like, wow, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize the devil. Yeah, like, how did that happen? I didn't realize the <laughs> devil was a Scorpio, you know. But like, <laughs> how... Some people think so, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not to say anything about Scorpios, all right. But, well, one thing you need to understand is that the term Halloween is a product of the Catholic Church. And the reason why, and mm -hmm. we talked about this earlier, and you can talk about the cultural shift from Samhain to Halloween. But basically, the name Halloween was created by the Catholic Church because as a way of giving balance to the celebration of Samhain, the Catholic Church uh, basically created a holiday to revere uh, people that had gone on before. We're going to call this All Hallows Day, which falls on November the 1st, according to the calendar. So the term Halloween is a contraction of the term All Hallows Evening. Halloween, since it was the day before All Hallows Day, the term Halloween is a contraction of the word All Hallows Eve. So, so why did I have a problem with that? If it's just, you know, the night before All Hallows Day, let's celebrate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So can you give us a, a little bit more information about the cultural shift from Samhain to Halloween? Yeah, so um, back into nerdy mode. Um, <laughs> the pretty interesting thing um, about Samhain and its transition into Halloween is that the Catholics did this thing where they went in and they were like, um, you guys are celebrating this hol holiday too much. <laughs> um, we're going to take it away to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, oh, you guys aren't going to stop. Okay. It's ours now. It's our yeah. holiday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is about, <laughs> we have All Saints Day and we have All Souls Day. Um, and so they go in and they change the dates. Now they did this with other cultures too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, when Spaniards came in and they saw the Maya and the Aztec and the other indigenous Mexican people celebrating their holiday, you know, um, for their ancestors and celebrating their revered dead, what did that turn into? Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. Because mm -hmm. then you have Day of the Dead, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, right? But then we turn this very pagan-influenced celebration from these indigenous religions, um, and we're putting pictures and food and offerings for our loved ones. On day one, we give them their favorite drink on day two. And it's like a seven-day celebration. If you do the whole thing, it's a big ritual, huge. There's dancing. We dress up like skeletons and the dead. We dress up like monarch butterflies, which mm. fly between the realms of the living and dead and can take messages to our loved ones. You know, this is this the Catholic's we're really good at stealing people's holidays and calling it their own. Um, <laughs> and I think the Protestants <laughs> were really good at telling you you couldn't have fun and you couldn't even celebrate that holiday. They're just going to yeah. take all the fun and dancing out. And I did go to Catholic <laughs> school for like a little while. So I, I totally get it. 
And uh, so I thought that was really interesting. But you can see even um, then they had a really hard time kind of removing the pagan traditions yeah. from very um, these very Celtic cultures. Um, so like in Wales, people go around in like horse skeleton heads with flowers on their heads and they'll knock oh, on nice. the door and you have to say, you know, the the person wearing the horse skeleton being the horse spirit, the horse ghost will go and they'll say a poem saying, let me in, give me all your food and wine. And the other person has to, in rhyme, in a poem, in Welsh. Oh, really? Then, yeah. Then they have to give a poem as to why they can't let the horse in. And then they go back and forth until someone wins. Oh, so really? then if the horse ghost wins, they get to go in your house and drink all your beer. <laughs> <laughs> Like, let, me, let me get my horse costume ready here. Right. <laughs> oh. Um. So yeah, and uh, so the name may not translate directly from Samhain to Halloween, but there's just that real connection, and you know, we still have that ancestor veneration, the ancestor um celebration, and you know what? That's a good. Thing, in my opinion, if we're celebrating our ancestors, no matter what faith we espouse, yeah. being a non-denominational pagan like I am, I take um, and, and use these different traditions and I combine them in really fun ways, um, which I think is the next question. So I will stop. <laughs> no, um, no, that's all right. We, keep we going. Go yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, hit it. Do your I, thing. I, I I learned that through Halloween was looked at as a time of kind of trepidation because it marked a time where, okay, we're past the harvest. Now we've got to make sure that we've gathered enough crops during the fall and during the harvest season that's going to get us through the winter. And mm -hmm. that was a fear that the fear was not only just fear of the veil between, you know, the living and the dead, but also the sense that some of us are not going to make it through this winter, depending on how much food that we were able to gather or how uh, harsh the climate is going to be. Is there some validity behind that type of uh, thought uh, looking at Samhain and Halloween? A fear. Yeah. So Samhain is definitely a harvest holiday. Um, it's a holiday, you know, so at the, you've harvested all of your grain. This is like the last harvest, right? The celebration of the last harvest really happens now. Mm -hmm. um, so in Scandinavia, this time of year, um, you know, the beginning of November is considered blood month. Mm -hmm. um, that's when they harvest all of the meat animals that probably won't make it through the winter for eating mm -hmm. for the humans to celebrate. And so then what happens if we have a whole bunch of food sitting around and not all of it can be preserved right away, we got to eat it. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so Samhain this time of year used to be a time when there was a celebration three days before the day of, and the three days after this is in Celtic lands. Um, where people would gather. So this is when a lot of people would gather at their, um, their clan leader's house or their tribal leader's house, and they would talk about the harvest. They would talk about whose cow mated with whose cow without <laughs> and get that all, all the legal Farm things. gossip is basically what you're saying. Yeah, the cow stuff, all the cows. <laughs> all the cows. And sometimes <laughs> the pigs, maybe. The pigs, chickens, anything that's not strong enough to make it through the winter. 
Um, Because, you know, these are really harsh environments, especially in the times we're thinking of. Um, It was like during a mini ice age, right? So Mm -hmm. in the winter, the animals, if you were lucky, you had enough room for the animals to live inside with you and keep your house warm at night. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And so there'd be this huge seven-day celebration. So it wasn't just Um, It was the harvest and it was the community gathering because all of the work has been done. All of that hard work, it's time to celebrate and feast and have a good time. Now, I think this is the beginning of um, that scary time, though, the dark time, the time when it's really Mm -hmm. hard to survive. And so part of um, the tradition, as I understand it, is that this is the beginning of the dark time. This is the end of the year. And then there's until um winter solstice until you can see the light returning so the mm-hmm. sun are dying right now um the night of solstice the sun gods are dead there is no protection no one's coming to help you they mm-hmm. can't they're not there solstice mm-hmm. night that night of solstice that's the scariest time yule, mm-hmm. yule it is dark <laughs> Things are coming and they're getting <laughs> they're hungry, right? That's the darkest time. And so in my understanding and in my practice, this is time when we celebrate the ancestors. We reconnect with our dearly departed dead. This is when I do a lot of um, not just like genetic ancestry work, but also spirit ancestry work. And I really find um, this not to be as much of a scary, spooky time as it is a time to just to share that love, share our blessings, and acknowledge that it is changing. It's time to come inward. It's time to take, like, we're, I'm sitting in my plant room right now. And as of a few days ago, I started processing all of my dried herbs and getting them ready to store for the winter. So I have herbs to use through the winter. Yeah. Um, you know, I harvested the last of my food. All I have outside now are my beets and carrots that can be under the snow. Um, so this to me, isn't a spooky, scary time mm-hmm. because I'm not scared of my ancestors. I'm not scared of those who came before me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. They're there in that <laughs> lineage. I can see, I can see why this would also be a, a really spooky time during, um, Yule festivals, if you are Germanic, if you are Teutonic, like your days are short. Mm-hmm. It starts super early and it's dark and it ends super early and it's dark. And if you're way up in Scandinavia, like you literally have times like Greenland and um, mm-hmm. Copenhagen, like wait, it's dark for how many days? Yes. So, and, and people get sick. I'm sorry. And 24 hour nighttime, the, the further. Yeah. 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 And, and stuck- it's a time where people got sick, you know? Yeah. You stuck you're locked in- up in the house together. Yeah, exactly. And so I, um, in my practice, I don't see Samhain as being, it's the beginning of the dark time. It really gets us into this phase of the veils being thin. Mm-hmm. I don't see spooky goblins coming out of them right now. <laughs> you know, this mm-hmm. is kind of celebration and an acknowledgement of our of our roots, right? Yeah. Um, it's when we get into yeah those dark nights. There's no yeah. sun. There's no light. 
we're running out of chopped wood. The wolves are outside. We're out of meat. (laughs) And that's probably the rise of so many um, folktales that we tell around this time of like werewolves because you're walking across like the moors and you know you're probably walking halfway to another town to visit people or to do your work or like when you really think about what they had to endure like you understand where all the fairy tales come from where all the cautionary tales come from you can totally understand why um it could be a time of joy but also a time of real fear you know, oh, we got it soft, girl. And it kind of, <laughs> question, you know, when when the holiday of Christmas is coming around, they're playing Christmas songs, and that one Christmas carol is like, you know, uh, scary ghost stories and tales of the glory. And we're like, why would why? you yeah. tell ghost stories around Christmas? And that kind of kind of explains, you know, around that time mm-hmm. of year, why ghost yeah. stories be popular. Um, Amanda, since Halloween is considered like the second largest commercial holiday. <laughs> So what are some of the issues that you see as Halloween becomes more and more of a commercial holiday? And why do you think non-pagans love Halloween so much? As far as the commerciality goes, I have a hard time with the commercialization of all the spirit things. Um, You know, this is a sacred holiday. This is a time of the ancestors. And if people want to dress up as spooky, scary skeletons, great. Let them do it. Let them have fun. Because you know what? That fun, that joy, it brings fun. It brings joy. It brings some silliness. And I feel like in America, I can't speak to everywhere, but I can speak to America. We don't have enough fun. We don't have time to get out. We don't have time to tap into our creativity. We don't have time to tap into those other personalities. We're so busy masking and pretending Mm -hmm. like we're normal. And then we need to fit in. And then we need to make, you know, keep up with the Joneses and all that. Like, I think Halloween gives us a break from that, right? <laughs> it gives us yeah. some space to go out. Mask and just be your alter ego just at least for a, a, a day. Yeah, we don't love loose enough. We don't have fun. And, yeah. you know, we've gone through the summer with our bikini bodies, and now we are allowed to eat candy for the next three months. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, really relaxing thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, um, However, like, I feel like the commercialization and just the amount of ecological damage that is done mm. um, and physical damage, too. Like, I mean, I all of this junk food, I mean, in moderation, fine. But my kids are getting whole bags of candy. And I promise you, my son's going to eat it in a week, no matter where I hide it. Oh, I got a really good, I have such a good solution that I used for that. I used to bag up most of their candy, tell the guys the great pumpkin was coming and that we had to give that candy to the great pumpkin so that we can have a great Halloween next year. And then I would totally like, I would put the bag of candy in my room. And then when it would be their birthday, I would take all the candy and I would divvy it out for party favors. Oh, I love that. I never bought like any candy for party favor bags. I just put it in the, in the bags and send I it away. It. Now, according I to the kids, it's, it's not, it looks good on paper. <laughs> you, know, you got those kids are like, yo, you know, I scored big tonight. I got like two bags full of candy and stuff and have to be told, well, we're going to do, give that to the great pumpkin. And 
a tie to the Great Pumpkin. And Charlie was, Brown helped that out, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as adults and as parents, it works for us. But I don't think it's it's kind of rubbed off to the kids too well. It's going to take a little time to process that one. But, Man, hey, they don't pay those dental bills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My kids are too old to start that. Now they know better. But man, I wish yeah. I knew that earlier. But hopefully your listeners pick up that because that is a great idea. My sister and my brother-in-law are both active army. So when the kids were little, I was able to give their candy. I would let them have a few pieces and then I'd give their candy to my mm -hmm. sister and she'd give it to her soldiers. <laughs> and so that's what we did for years. But then they yeah. got old. I started eating their candy more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, like, the candy's bad for the body, right? And then, mm. like, think about that fake, like, spiderweb stuff. Yeah. It's That's... really not good for the environment. No, yeah. it hurts pollinators. It hurts birds. It's really, it's, like, just microplastics in the water. And, like, have you ever put that stuff up? <laughs> oh, it's a, it never looks like a spider put it up. <laughs> no. More like duck devils. <laughs> just, just but I do want to... I do want to thank you for calling attention to the ecological damage. I think um, for the most part, a lot of us humans are so removed from the nature of it all. We just kind of do things thinking that, well, it's fun for me, but not thinking about the fact that we share this beautiful land, this beautiful earth with other creatures that, that really, um, I think that's going to help us to think a little deeper. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's also, you know, the single use disposable plastics, all those little candy wrappers, yeah. all yeah. of those little rings and those little baby skeletons the kids play with for like five minutes. And then they end up in the toy box for five years and then in the garbage, you know, yeah. all of this waste, but that plays into the corporate question, that corporatization, corporate greed, because who is this actually serving? Who is no, yeah. us buying bags of little baby skeleton, plastic skeletons to give kids so they're not getting candy because candy's not good for them. So we're giving them little <laughs> pieces of plastic instead. Like, and we're charging a lot of money for slave made, you know, items from China. Things being made by people who are literally enslaved in buildings. That's something people, um, I mean, a lot of Americans aren't getting is there are still people in slavery. Yeah. And yeah. Into like, point a finger at that and be like dude what the hell yeah. you know <laughs> stop thanks for bringing the consciousness um back to halloween i think we should all go back to bobbing for apples yes. and baking gingerbread cookies like that should be caramel apples oh yeah all day you know where you just it's... a little side do you know where the um that bobbing apples came from where um so what's the what's the uh Fruit of sin, right? Oh, the apple. Oh, my gosh. Um, does this have anything to do with witch dunking? Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably. I don't know. That's yeah. very good. There's a, a dunking chair slow, story, right? right? <laughs> mm -hmm. hmm. God, this has been so fun, Amanda. This has been absolutely just kicking it about things that we didn't know and, and things that we, we share. Because, you know, I'm coming from a hoodoo tradition and... um the voodoo tradition also deals with all saints and um, there is 
their version of Day of the Dead. They also do jazz funerals. Like there, there's so much um, cemetery work in hoodoo. This mm -hmm. has been enlightening and amazing. Can you tell our audience how we might be able to contact you or follow you? Yeah. Um, so my business name, um, newly renewed, a new business venture, right? Weaving more of my earth-based spirit practices into um, my medicine making in my classes is called Artemisia and Rose Herbals. Beautiful. Um, find me as Artemisia and Rose on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, and I'm starting a YouTube channel, but haven't quite gotten there yet. But it's yes. it's there. You can follow me. I just have no videos yet. That will change very soon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, I'll follow you. Yeah, and I'm located in Longmont, Colorado. Sorry, Darren. No, I said we wish you a lot of luck with that. We've definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been. I had to take some time to kind of rest and reset. Um, and the pandemic was actually perfect for that for my family mm -hmm. and for me to really take that time to tune in and um, start a new direction. And so I'm really excited to have stepped into that bravely <laughs> once again. And it's um, feeling really good this time around. And um, um, also I'm located in Longmont, Colorado. So if you're in Northern Colorado and you're looking for an herbalist or a shamanic practitioner who does shamanic journeys, shamanic um, body work, things like that nature, plant spirit medicine, um, reach out. I'm always happy to meet new friends. Thank you for joining us today, Amanda Klenner. Right? Thank you. Yeah. All right. I got it right. All right. And, I, wish, uh, I wish you guys bless that one too. And enjoy your feeding of your ancestors. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. And I'm blind. Yeah. Whole bunch of good scary movies to watch. That's fine. <laughs> Especially some of the old classics. And stuff. I love the old classics. So I'm looking for. I like the old ones. Some of the new ones are a little like, um, you know, Demonic. there's no evil. <laughs> but some of those, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I like the little spooky, scary ones. We were talking about uh, the fog the other day with my son because we had a foggy morning the other day. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good Those one. pirates, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'd <laughs> like to thank you for joining us tonight. We'd like to thank all our listeners for joining us for this special Halloween edition of the Alchemy of Wellness podcast. Be well. Good night. Good night.